This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my new friend Glow. How's it going today? Great. What up? What up? Thanks for having me. Absolutely stoked. <laughs> stoked to have you. Yeah, this is gonna be dope. Um, we met recently in Austin at a couple of events. You know, we, we've been kind of frequenting the same places. You know, the ecstatic dance scenes, the kind of consciousness-related events. And you're hosting your own events as well, which I recently went to and just had an absolute blast. So uh, I'd just love to share, you know, your story, the story of the events you're hosting and, and all kind of other cool, fun stuff that we can get into. So yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great to get to connect and flow with you and get to know more of what you're about and having you collab with us at an upcoming event. That's going to yeah. be really exciting as well. So yeah. yeah, it's been great to just find other medicine based based connoisseurs in the area. And yeah, I've yeah, been loving, loving vibing with you. Absolutely. Likewise. <laughs> so to, to kick it off, um, how did you know you wanted to be an artist, a musician, you know, someone who wanted to use their voice, a singer, but also I think you produce as well. Um, mm -hmm. How did this whole artistic journey start for you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, so I grew up going to church singing and I just always loved singing in church. And I never was really one of those kids that was like wanted to grow up and be an artist. I mean, I always had like fantasies about it, but it was never like, that's my path and that's what I'm going to do. And that's what my life is about growing up. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really until I started singing in church after I had a really incredible vocal activation at a church experience mm -hmm. um, that led me to then singing on the worship team that I started to feel like maybe, maybe something is meant to happen with my singing. And I just, I started to get all these downloads. I would just be driving and I would get little melodies and I would just record them. And I would like, think to myself, I wonder if this will ever turn into anything one day. But I never really at that time thought that it would it would turn into me actually being an artist, like making music. I just like, I kind of fantasized about it. And I was like, what if, what if, but it, it felt like this big world that was like meant for other people. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I had a incredible and so in church they call light language tongues uh right. the christian church so when i had that experience um which which we can get into a little bit more later mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that i feel like is what activated me vocally and um then i started singing in church and was invited to be on the worship team and so what we would do is we would start out like jamming to like a song that we would all learn mm -hmm. and then we would break out into spontaneous singing and that's when i really felt this connection to spirit like stronger and deeper mm -hmm. and just like mm -hmm. ugh, just like so potent in ways i had never experienced spirit before god before and i i just i just loved it I just mm. knew that it felt really good and I felt the most connected to God when I was singing and I was in these spontaneous channeled states. Um, but then when I left the church and started to become more open-minded to God in other ways, all of that kind of stopped. And mm. I didn't really think about it for a long time, <laughs> honestly, until I met Anthony, my husband now. Yep. And um, he, I, I started playing on a beat machine, the mm. machine beat pad. Yeah. And <laughs> so he showed me how to start making beats. 
And I started to get obsessed. I literally like missed my best friend's birthday because I was so obsessed. I was like, I don't know why I just feel like I need to play with this thing right now. Mm -hmm. So I started playing with this beat machine and got so into it and started singing again, started making music again. Him and I started making music. I started producing and all of that really started opening opening everything up for me. And along that journey, I had a lot of doubts of, you know, um, what that could look like in the future. If I was good enough to ever release music, if my voice was good enough, I just had, I had a lot of doubts. Mm. And last summer I just finally decided, you know, he's, his, his career started to take off and I'm seeing him start to gain traction with his music. And I'm like, you know, I feel like what I'm creating, it doesn't need to be the best in the world, but as long as it's coming from my heart and my soul, and I feel like it's meant to be shared, then that's all that really matters. So I just need to get out of my own way Mm -hmm. and do whatever I need to do to start actually feeling confident enough to do this. Mm -hmm. So I hired his brother, Brent, his twin brother, Mm -hmm. to start giving me vocal lessons. And that gave me the confidence to start stepping into my artistry. And it's been one of the most transformational experiences of my life Mm-hmm. because it's it's not only humbled me to be in such deep service to spirit on my artist path, but I felt like it's empowered me to step into the gifts that I feel like I was given in this lifetime. And so I feel like my artist path is truly a communion with spirit in in all the ways that it can be. And every time I felt any doubt on my path getting this started and and just getting to even my first release, I would just be like, Spirit, show me a sign if, if you know, I'm really meant to do this. And yeah. something would happen every single time. Like I would <laughs> get a download. I would see a sign. I would meet somebody. Someone would say something to me. And I just have felt so supported on this path as I started to step into it. So it's it's been interesting. It's felt like just a really deep surrender and trusting process with Spirit. Mm, love that. Yeah, I say this more as a joke, but uh, it's, it just sounds like you've had a very healthy pineal gland. <laughs> because, you know, I don't know, there's, you know, I, I, some people don't fully buy into pineal gland and how that gives us intuition or gives us contact with spirit. But I don't know, it, it resonates with me. And uh, you said early on that you were connecting to spirit, even in kind of a church setting. Yeah. Um, I myself, you know, I, I probably had moments of that, and I grew up in the church as well uh, as a Christian. Um, and I still identify with, like, Jesus. I think he's an OG yogi. Um, but I just, <laughs> I don't really go to church anymore, except for, like, when it's a something for my family, um, a wedding or a funeral, you know, these types of things. But I was curious to ask what it felt like when you said you were connecting with spirit and mm-hmm. singing as you're growing up, you know, like, how would you kind of describe that feeling that you were experiencing? I think growing up, it just felt, it felt, um, it just felt right. You know, as a kid, you just kind of feel drawn to things that feel good. And so you go to church camp and you sing songs with fun hand motions and Mm -hmm. you just, you learn, um, these different songs with lyrics that are beautiful about love and how much God loves you. And so I always resonated with positive, like high vibe music like that as a kid, 
I wouldn't have called it that at that time. Sure. But, worship you know, music, I, as I used to call it. Worship music, yeah. My, and my mom was definitely like a big proponent of that. Like she would never let us, let us listen to like, you know, secular music on the radio. It was always like really high vibe, positive music. She never let us watch like scary movies and stuff like that. So I feel like mm-hmm. growing up, I had that that really safe and beautiful container to like experience the beauty of like positive worship music and, and the incantations. Like I really believe in the power of singing lyrics and what that does to your body on and your brain and everything and your belief system on a subconscious level. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I really knew growing up what, what that really felt like in like a, an observer way. It was more just like an experience that was just like fun but um, I feel like the first time I really felt spirit like on my own, like outside of just growing up in the church was after a really difficult summer. Um, I was going from my sophomore into my junior year and I had moved to a new city from Northern California to Southern California. And it was like, I just felt completely alone and my mom invited me to church. So I went and I felt like the pastor was literally speaking to me and all the problems and everything I was going to going through. So when I went home, I opened up my Bible and I like read the different passages that they call like the the salvation prayer. And I just surrendered everything that I thought I was doing right in my life. I had this like really, <laughs> I, I was very rebellious. I would pretty much do everything my parents told me not to do. Mm-hmm. And even when they told me not to do it, I would probably do more of it and find other ways to do it more cleverly. So I was just really rebellious. I wanted to carve my own path. And um, I always just felt like I was meant to do things differently and no one really understood me. So I always acted out in that kind of way. But um, yeah, that summer I find myself feeling really alone. And so when my mom invited me to church, I was just like, well, you're the only one that still loves me and still cares about me, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though I've done all these horrible things. So when I went home and I, I started reading that, I just remember feeling really deeply connected, connected to the message and to God on a level that I had never experienced before. And I, I just went down onto my knees and I just prayed and I asked for forgiveness for all my sins. And I, I just said, I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Just show me, show me the way. And I was just bawling. And this moment happened where I just felt my whole body overcame with this, like this presence. I just felt this, like the best way I can explain it is like reverence. Like when you, it's almost like when you see something like a beautiful piece of art or maybe like how people feel when they see like the pyramids in Egypt for the first time, these, these places that have this like reverence and carry this power. It felt like that was the presence I was experiencing in my room. And I was just like, Whoa, like what is this? You know, it was my first time experiencing spirit, like in my own experience. And I'll never forget looking out my window and I saw the trees and I saw like the houses and that stuff. And I just, I felt this like wisdom had just like clicked and entered my being. And I was just like, they call it in, you know, in Christianity, they call it like being filled with the spirit, the wisdom of the spirit. Mm. And I felt this wisdom beyond, beyond something I could have learned or, or tried to gather on my own, like just this knowing entered my being. And ever since then, I have felt my connection with God and with spirit, like that, that, that cord or that connection 
has mm-hmm. always been there ever since then, ever since I really invited the spirit into my life. So mm-hmm. the best way I can explain like what it feels like is like deep reverence, yeah. love, wisdom, knowing, presence, and um, just something that can truly only be experienced and cultivated in in your in your own experience. It's not something that I think could happen ever for me if it, if I were just going to church and things were happening or someone said something to me. It was a deep surrender to my knowing, my ego in that sense, and an opening to something greater than me to guide me and to show me the way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I think that's the best way I could explain it. That's powerful. Yeah. Wow. That gave me some chills and memories of early kind of mystical states I experienced too that I often forget about. Um, but yeah, it must have been in connection with um, God uh, in, in the Christian form. Um, but it was interesting is because I didn't know too much about it. So I was filling in a lot of the blanks as well, which I think was probably to my benefit because, mm. uh, you know, when you read certain aspects of Christianity, specifically the Old Testament, it's kind of like this is a wrathful God. This is a this is an angry guy. He's going to send you to hell for eternity. You know, like, damn, that's kind of <laughs> scary. But since I didn't really I wasn't old enough to have known all of that, you know, I would kind of fill in my blanks of what I think God would be like. And and I was able to connect to some of those experiences as well. Um, I really have forgotten about a lot, a lot of those, mm. but your story was kind of activating some of those memories. Mm. Um, that's powerful. So my next question is, you know, I know that you're kind of uh, in, in this uh, medicine scene now. I mean, I see like a Buddha behind you, these types of things like, when did your spirituality start to take a more inclusive form of other mm. traditions, religions, other ways of viewing the world rather than just Christianity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is great. I love sharing this this story. So I, I met a man that I fell in love with and... Um, it was cosmic. Like I'll never forget how we met. I was, I was studying for my real estate exam and I was sitting at a hookah shop and he was sitting across from me. And when I saw him and when we both looked at each other for the first time, it just was like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. I felt like there was something really potent and powerful there. And so I was, you know, five years into being like extremely Christian in every single way. I went to Bible college. I went to every single thing that you could have imagined that the church put on. I experienced all of it, but I was, um, I always felt like, even though all of that stuff was happening, that was never like where my connection to God came from. That was just where I got to experience God more in community. So I always had this like centered, like personal connection with God. And when I met him, because I at that time I had this um, context of you know marriage and dating and all of that that needed to be with a Christian man. Mm. So when I met him and when I felt that, I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like this like and and then I got to know him, and he just felt like more like Jesus than any of the guys that I had met in the church. Totally. So I was <laughs> I just know like, that feel. yeah. And I was like, this is interesting. Okay. Um, 
so I just trusted that. I trusted my spirit. I trusted my inner guidance. And I, that was the, that was probably the beginning of me starting to create my own path in, in terms of like my own spiritual path. Like I started to disidentify with certain, um, structures and ways that like the church would tell you how to be. Mm -hmm. So I was like pretty much all in with everything. I tried it all out for five years. Um, you know, it was completely celibate, didn't drink, didn't smoke, like didn't do anything. I was saving myself for marriage, all of this. Mm -hmm. And then I meet him and I'm like, I don't know why, but you feel more like love than all these other people. Mm -hmm. And I started to understand more of what it felt like to like be in spirit and experience spirit with someone else, like someone else who truly was embodying spirit versus people who just believed and shared the same beliefs as you. Mm -hmm. And so that is what probably started having me question a lot of things. And he, he started questioning a lot of things. He would be like, why do you believe in this? And I would express my beliefs to him like so wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. But then sometimes he would ask me questions that I couldn't even answer or that made me start to question if Christianity was the answer to life. Mm. And then he introduced me to meditation and that, that took me deeper into my spiritual practice. And the, the, the biggest thing that happened was I, I took him to church with me. So I take him into the community that I had been going to and singing at and had created this, you know, beautiful experience with, which had its own journey, you know, like I, I was in a career that I really loved and I loved working. I was 21, you know, I was like excited about my career. And, um, some people at the church would judge me for not coming to the, the events that they were throwing, or they would kind of like make me feel like more on the outskirts. Cause I didn't go to everything. And I don't think they did it on purpose. Like, I don't, I'm not upset about any of that, but it just made me not feel like part of that community. So I started connecting with him more, but then I wanted to bring him into like this beautiful community where I was experiencing spirit and where I finally had a space to be on stage and share spirit with people and mm. have a space to fully express my light language and my spontaneous singing, all of this. And I'll never forget, they, at, I forget if it was at the beginning or the end of the service, but um, you know, there's probably like 50 or 60 people in the church and I'm sitting right at the front and they ask him to pray mm. for, to like open up the church service. Mm. And I just felt him completely like shut down. Like sure. it just felt like they were kind of singling him out, like making right. him feel like, you know, like they knew he wasn't Christian. They knew I was dating someone who wasn't Christian. And so it, it felt like they were like putting him in the spotlight and kind of making him feel like he needed to be part of this community, but it, they were going about it in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So we left that and, you know, we got into kind of an argument and it was, it was pretty much like I either was going to choose the church and lose him or I was going to choose him and lose the church. Mm. And I just decided that like my church is in my spirit and I don't need them. And if that's the way that this community is going to choose to treat someone that I love, then maybe this isn't the community for me. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning of me leaving that community in a big way and starting to discover what kind of community I really wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And that started with meeting a woman um, at a real estate conference who invited me to a cacao ceremony. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they were doing authentic relating and we were sharing like beautiful, deep parts of our lives. And that was my first experience, like actually feeling like I got to be seen and witnessed by someone without judgment. I feel mm -hmm. like there was just a lot of 
judgment in the church. And I would ask questions and I would challenge things and it never felt like welcome. It felt like pushed down. And so I finally felt like there was a space that was welcome for me. And so I just dove all the way in. I went to Envision Fest that year (laughs) and everything she invited me to or told me about, I'm like, I'm just going like this community feels open-minded. It feels like welcoming of my questions and my doubts and my fears. And like, we can talk about things. Mm -hmm. So I went to Envision Fest, have this incredible experience pulling cards for my first time. And Mm. I asked, it was the the Rumi Oracle deck. And I asked it, who or what is God? Mm. And I pulled this card and it said one. Ah. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just like crying. And so just, it felt like God met me in that Mm. moment and was just like, I am not any one like thing. I am all things. And so that really opened every, that was the beginning of everything opening up for me. And Mm -hmm. from there, I really got deep into my meditation practice. I started reading books like The Untethered Soul and started to understand more of the observer state, books like The Seed of the Soul. And I just went all in, started doing affirmations and learning about all these different ways that I could learn and grow spiritually that weren't just, you know, the way that, that the church taught. Mm, Yeah. Profound. Wow. So you said cacao, um, had you worked with any other psychedelic medicines, even cannabis at that point or not quite yet? And cacao was the kind of one that, that got you into all this or no? No, I mean, I would say my awareness pretty much popped open for the first time uh, when I was 16, when I had a near-death experience in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, before that, I had been just blackout drinking. You know, I was like 15, 16, like going to parties with people like years older than mm-hmm. me. Um, drinking that was the stuff your mom was getting mad at you about? Yeah, just I would throw mm-hmm. parties at every house that we had. <laughs> and just, I was pretty Ranger. wild. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So I was always experimenting with substances when I was younger, but in a really unhealthy way, mm-hmm. like one experience. <laughs> um, so I, you know, um, I smoked and I drank, I tried ecstasy and mushrooms when I was younger, but it was all in a very like unconscious, like yeah. hyper recreational way that pretty much left me feeling not interested in any kind of psychedelics for yeah. like a, a, a good journey. Um, but the partner that I was with that introduced me to all this and started questioning, um, yeah. helping me question things, he um, he actually grew some of his own uh, mushrooms. And so mm. I started to work with psychedelics again with him. Um, we went to Yosemite and I had nice. a beautiful experience. He led, he was like just this shaman presence, like so epic and powerful. And he just like helped me reconnect with psychedelics. And I started get, getting back into more of that kind of medicine. Um, but when I was with him, we didn't really have much other community. Like he was pretty much the only conscious person I knew. Mm. So, uh, cacao was like the beginning of me getting to experience, uh, more of these heart opening medicines and community. And yeah. that, that's definitely what opened me up. Like it, it was definitely the community was the healing for me was mm. finding a conscious, intentional, authentic, real down to earth community and then pairing that with heart opening things like cacao or mm-hmm. other psychedelic substances used in intentional ways. Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely where my spirituality fully blossomed. I, you know, I definitely had a few 
mystical type experiences prior to using any psychedelics. But when I first uh, smoked weed, did weed edibles and then mushrooms, um, that's when I was really getting that sense of one, like what, that card, when you pulled the card, I know mm-hmm. that feeling, you know, um, but it came to me through that shamanic state or whatever it was that the mm-hmm. mushrooms and the cannabis would put me in this, this way I could see brand new. I could see just with new eyes, mm. what was actually happening around me for the first time. It was almost like, where was this all before? You know, like, yeah. how am I seeing it now? I see the oneness. I see how it's all connected. I see mm. everything's touching. And that means mm. it's all one. It's not that the wall separate from the floor. It's connected. The, mm. It's connected to the earth, which connects all the other houses, which connects all the interconnectedness. And I don't know, I just see how everything was one thing and mm. it was very profound, you know? So psychedelics for me were definitely uh, a major role, uh, had a major role in my awakening. Um, so you went to envision. That's awesome. I still haven't been, um, <laughs> I, I need to go, but, uh, yeah. that's, that sounds like quite, uh, an initiation, you know? So was it that, you know, you had found that community, at Envision and you wanted to start to cultivate it back at home? And were you in Texas yet at this point or not yet? No. So I lived in San Diego at this time. So I grew up in Northern California in a town called Vacaville. And um, then at 16, we moved to Vista, um, North County, San Diego. And that's Mm. where I spent 10 years all in Vista, Oceanside, San Marcos, all of that area. So Mm. At that time, I was living on my own in a studio in Vista. And um, yeah, we we hadn't moved to Texas yet. Mm, Okay. So when did you end up in Texas? How long ago was that? So we've we've lived in Texas now twice. We we Anthony and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so Anthony and I met five years ago, and um, actually one of the first things that we connected on was um, wanting to have a community home together and build and do community things. Yeah. So. Um, and he's a producer, right? He goes by Home. Is that home? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. H O H M though. H O H M. Yeah, he's love incredible. It. Taught me everything that I know. Yeah, he's an incredible healer, sound healer. I, when I was at your event there i was like i've never heard of any of these sounds or seen any of these instruments before but he knows how to use them (laughs) oh my gosh yeah i mean that's you know he does that full time for in harmony he does the Mm -hmm. all the sound frequency music production so it's just so so deep in in the healing frequency world which is amazing and um you know, all of that getting to be given back to community has always been our desire. And so mm-hmm. we moved to Texas originally because that is what we wanted was to create um, a community yeah. on um, 10 acres. So we uh, bought 10 acres in Rockdale, Texas, which is about mm-hmm. an hour and a half outside of Austin. Mm-hmm. And for nine months, we built this raw land into as much of an off-grid community as we could for ourselves. And we were so isolated um, that we didn't get to completely follow through with that vision and everything, I believe, and, you know, the timing and the aligning of everything. So um, we spent nine months doing that and it didn't feel in full resonance. I didn't feel, we didn't 
feel close enough to Austin to get to like connect and build community with more mm. of the people that lived here. Yeah. So we were pretty much on our own. Um, so that was uh, at the end of 2020, October 2020, we moved to Texas for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we would go in and out of Austin probably like, you know, one, two, three times a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we left for like a year and a half, went to Arizona, then we went to Las Vegas, and then we just got back to Austin in February this year. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So while you were jumping around, you hadn't, had you not built like uh, a network yet of the community that you've been wanting to build and and i'm seeing you build now um Mm. so is that has that begun in february more or less i would say absolutely i feel like coming back to austin this time i felt right away connected to the tribe here in such a powerful way like Mm -hmm. just it felt like you know everything that we went to I would meet someone where I was just like, oh my gosh, we're meant to do something together. And that would be Mm -hmm. something musically or some event or some business idea. And it was just the, the, the melting pot was just like so juicy. And we had only planned on being here for three months because we were like, well, let's just go and see. And it was apparent right away that this is where we were meant to be. And Mm -hmm. it felt, it felt like a homecoming in a way. It felt like we were coming home to mm. like really stay and i hadn't ever felt that in all the places we had moved and it was something that we were looking for was like somewhere we could stay and feel connected to like a soul tribe and we mm. definitely collected a lot of soul tribe along the way from san diego to arizona to vegas and mm-hmm. that's definitely all there in those different spaces but mm. i feel like here is where we've both felt it like really strongly more than yeah. anywhere else so far. What do you think it is? You know, cause of course I feel it too. Um, <laughs> Austin's got a vibe. Like if you had to, if you had to guess or put your, you know, your best foot forward on, on saying what it is, what do you think it is? You know, like why is it so synchronistic? Why do all these people like magnetize in Austin? And it's like, wow, <laughs> some shit is going off here, you know? Yeah. Well, have you heard of the Violet Crown? Uh-uh. Have you ever heard of that? No. Nope. So that's when everything kind of clicked for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is why we're here. Mm-hmm. So um, on the beginning of my artist journey, one of, the, one of the big things that happened for me was this really, really intense third eye activation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's connected to like the crown chakra and, um, you know, the color purple and lavender is what I like wear and have been attracted to. And I feel like that's been a big part of my activation is just like wearing that color. Mm-hmm. So, and my mom's favorite color is purple. So I feel like I was destined to just like love purple. And um, mm-hmm. when I came to Austin, I I um, met someone who mentioned this thing about the violet crown. They were like, oh, yeah, you you heard about the violet crown. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, yeah, that's what Austin used to be called. And I was like, what? Hmm. And he was like, yeah. Some, and, and so he goes on to sharing like some of his beliefs about what, what and why he thinks that it is. And he said, well, you know, all around the world, there are like these epicenters of places where um, activation is happening. And he was sharing how he thinks that um, Austin is like the epicenter or like the activation center of the U.S., which I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that actually makes sense when I think about it. And when I think about the 
you know, the violet crown, it's like the purple crown chakra. That's all about opening up and connecting to spirit. And that's what I feel when I meet so many of the people here is they are that they are a channel open for direction and guidance from spirit. And so I, I, I kind of sat with this and I was, um, I thought this was really interesting, but I was like, okay, I don't really know what this means, but that's really fascinating. But then I would talk about it to people and I met this um, older guy at a business meeting and I was, he was like, ask me anything you want to know about Austin. I know everything about Austin. I was like, okay, like, what do you know about the Violet Crown? And he was like, oh, that's interesting that you say that. Not many people know about this. And I was like, okay, <laughs> tell me about it. And so he goes on to tell me that the Violet Crown is a nickname that was given to Austin by the locals, I guess. Someone just decided on it because when you look at um, the hill country from a certain angle and the sun is setting, it looks like a purple crown. So I thought that was interesting. Um, So, you know, there's this perspective that I got from one person on like maybe more spiritual side and this other perspective I got from someone who's like die hard, like Austin local that knows about it. And so I do feel like Austin is an epicenter for awakening and for activation in a lot of ways. And I don't, I I don't have anything to essentially prove that, but I can feel Mm. that like, it just feels right. And um, I've collected some other data along the way. People have told me that a lot of the churches here are built on what used to be like sacred religious sites, things like that. So Mm. I'm still gathering the pieces, but I think that's why I think that there is um, some coding around the violet crown um, Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, that encanting of people calling it the violet crown for so long activated it, or maybe there was a religious sites. I don't know exactly why, but um, I think that on top of the fact that there is so much to do here, there's water, there's um, incredible conscious events that continue to pop up and keep growing. So I think there have been some like essential pioneers that have, you know, that made the move to Austin years ago from San Diego or from different parts of the world. And, um, you know, they were seeking a place that was beautiful and had natural water and nature and things like that and was more affordable than some of these other places in the world. And Mm -hmm. so it seems just like the perfect watering hole (laughs) for awakening. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not super, um, well-spoken on, on this, but I've heard in the past on a couple of YouTube videos, you know, that there are chakras of the earth, um, and as well, a Kundalini of the earth. And, you know, don't quote me on this because it's been years since I heard it. But if I remember correctly, I think what they said was the top of the Kundalini of the earth was at Nepal and directly on the opposite side of the earth. If you draw a line, it's Sedona. Hmm. Uh, And I might I might be incorrect on that. So, again, don't quote me. But it's saying that there's more or less like, let's just say, quote unquote, a spine through which Hmm. a Kundalini links Nepal and directly on the opposite side of the earth, Sedona, that'd be the Kundalini of the world, but there are chakras of the world too, which are other holy sites uh, mm-hmm. of, of just high spiritual charge. And mm-hmm. if I had to if I had to guess, and I don't know, but if I had to guess, I would say that Austin is one of those chakras of the earth. Yeah. Um, there's probably a bunch Actually. of others. Like I'm sure Egypt is one, or maybe where the Mayan pyramids was one. You know, um, I'm sure there are people who are listening to this that could pop probably point us in some cool resources, you know, the, the direction of some cool resources about 
these chakras of the earth. So if anyone listening has that, you know, drop in the comment. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, um, me too. Totally. So, okay. So let's talk briefly about light language. So you, you said earlier, much earlier on that, you know, your vocal activation in the church, um, they call it the tongues, but um, you, it's called light language in the spiritual community. Would you be able to tell me about what that was? What's your view on light language and what's going on there? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh. So my activation happened at uh, this conference called Jesus Culture. And Jesus Culture is a Christian worship uh, band that is known for their very spontaneous, just like spirit-led worship. And so I was always really drawn to that. And I went to one of their conferences where they were singing and I was, was praying for an experience from spirit. I wanted something powerful. I wanted something life-changing. I wanted to... I knew and had seen people um, experience miracles of the spirit, whether it be like physical things. Like I, I knew a guy who jumped off a cliff and was completely paralyzed and meant to die and like had someone come and pray for him and completely heal him. And now he can walk again. So I always believed in the power of the spirit, but I wanted to experience it. Mm -hmm. So I was praying for this at this experience and I wanted it so bad. And I just finally got to a point where like, I remember asking the group that I went with, I was like, I'm really struggling. Like, can you guys just pray for me? And so 15 people surrounded me and just all put their hands on me and started praying in tongues. And I experienced something I had never experienced before. I lost complete control of my body. Mm. So I lost control of my body. They all had their hands on me. They were praying in English and tongues and all these different languages. I fell over. They they caught me, so I didn't actually fall or anything. And in the midst of me falling, I just felt my like this energy just want to come out of me. And so I just started like I just started opening up my voice and saying things and I was I was speaking in a language I had never spoken in before and it just kept going and going and going and I'm crying and I'm just feeling this like at the same time this love like this this intense love frequency pouring down on me and then at the same time i'm i'm in complete coherence of everything happening but i'm completely out of control of my speaking of my body of everything so that happens for about 10 or 15 minutes and i will never forget after that i went to the bathroom i'm washing my hands and mm-hmm. i felt so filled with the spirit so filled with god i felt like i was literally looking at people with the eyes of god wow. and i was like do these people know how loved they are mm-hmm. do you know how much love there is like just coming towards you every second and it was the most powerful life changing experience so i started working with with cultivating that on my own i would go into my closet and at my college campus they had uh, prayer rooms it was like a bible college so mm-hmm. i started cultivating this on my own and i was i i would just go into prayer and start speaking in light language over mm-hmm. myself and i started to be able to understand what the spirit was saying so i would get the downloads of translations of what was being said and it's always and, and it always has been deep wisdom deep love, deep truth is what always comes through with the light language. Mm -hmm. So 
I can't really speak to other people's experience. And I'm still now, I mean, I, I didn't know for years that, that like light language was a thing outside of Mm -hmm. like tongues in church. And so I didn't, you know, speak in tongues or speak in light language for a long time until I started meeting other people that were, were doing this thing. And I was like, wait, that feels like something that I know how to do too. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to trust it because like leaving the church, I was just like, maybe that's just a church thing. That's just a Christian thing. That's just something that they do, Mm. you know? So coming out of that and into the more oneness experience, the more acceptance of all things, um, I've definitely started to work with it again and experience it more and then meet other people that are activated in light language. And I'm just like, whoa. So it is incredibly fascinating and I am absolutely still working with it to discover like what is there. But um, some interesting things I've noticed is when I hear other people speaking light language, um, I will either immediately connect with it or not. Like it either feels, I feel the purity of it or not. Mm. And then the second thing I'll feel is almost like I know what they're about to say. Like, I don't know what they're saying. I don't know their dialect of light language, but Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm, I know what's, what's about to come out of their mouth before they say it. There's just like a knowing, (laughs) like a resonance with it. And there is one other girl that I've um, heard sing in light language that sounds just like mine. Mm. So I believe that there are different like dialects of light language. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know what that means. I'm sure there are people that are much more well-versed on this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am definitely, I would say the way that I explore like my spiritual path, it's much me, me and spirit, me and source. I really try not to, um, like seek out or look for answers to things from other people and instead really allow that process to unfold and the answers to be revealed to me in the timing mm-hmm. that that they come to me in that way. Right. So that's about awesome. as much as I could share in, in terms right. of what I've learned and how I've worked with it. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I've recently learned about it um, probably about a year ago. And of course, I, I knew about tongues growing up. Um, but part of my speculation is that these are either dormant codes in our DNA uh, from potentially our off-planet origins. You know, if humans have come here, we were, we were dropped here or brought here to... Uh, we're an alien, maybe mated with a monkey. I don't know. I don't know. But, like, they're, they're, some part of our DNA remembers where we came from out in space. Um, Hmm. and we might have access to these other planetary languages. Hmm. That's one thought. The other thought is if it wasn't from that far back, maybe it's just kind of like prehistory, maybe things like Hmm. Atlantis or I think it's called Sumeria or or, or these like just very like the the oldest, you know, technologically advanced, uh, uh, civilizations that our earth has seen, mm. um, there may have been languages that have been completely lost. Mm. And maybe again, some part of us remembers those languages and mm. we can't sit here and prove it as a language because <laughs> it's been lost. You know, like we can't really point to another language that it sounds like, or maybe comes from because it's been completely wiped off the planet just because like the, the books were burned or like 
just the sands buried all the evidence of them. What do you think about these two kind of theories? Do either of those resonate with you? I think I resonate more with the first one. And again, like I, I, I only really like to speak from personal experience. So I did have an experience with some kind of extraterrestrial once. Mm-hmm. And it was, ac- it was right after I was in Sedona. Mm. So I was, I was, um, leaving an incredibly high vibe experience right after like I had all these beautiful visions for this business that I created and everything that I envisioned at the Sedona portal like happened in my business. So definitely believe in the power of those vortexes. So I'm leaving this experience just vibing so high. I don't know if you know above and beyond, but I was obsessed with them. I think they're aliens, Uh, but they're like super high vibe, uh, trance house music. And I was by myself and I was scared at first to go on this drive by myself. Um, but I was like, you know what, you know, I was really learning how to, um, use the power of my thoughts and belief to, um, influence my experience. So I was like, I'm just going to decide that this is going to be the best drive of my life. Instead of being like scared for driving eight hours in the dark, I was like, I'm going to have the best experience of my life. Put on this music (laughs) (laughs) and, um, I ended up getting pulled over. So (laughs) I get pulled over by this cop and he looks over and he sees an open bottle of wine in my front seat. And I realized, shit, I had some mushrooms in my purse. And I was like, what is about to happen? This could be like the best case scenario turned like, or the best experience ever turned worst experience ever, or I don't know, something magical could happen. Mm-hmm. And he ends up just asking me to pour out my wine. And he doesn't even check my car. He was like, oh, what are you doing? And I told him what I was doing. So he just has me pour out the wine bottle. And he's like, okay, uh, you know, don't speed again and uh, come back to Sedona. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what? Like I was speeding. Wow. I had an open bottle of wine. Like there was yeah. every reason this guy could have like, you know, put me somewhere I didn't want to be. Sure, sure. And um, so I, th- that definitely enhanced my like belief in the power of like frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go on my way and I'm just like tripping out. I was like, what is this? Like, this is insane. Like I just had this like, like wild experience. So I'm like tripping out. I'm just like high on my own supply basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to this music and um, driving down, you know, dark, really dark road. There's no cars on the road. It's just like me and the darkness and the stars. And I'm looking up and I'm like, wow, the stars are so bright. And all of a sudden, literally just like a flash, mm-hmm. it looked like this airplane had just appeared out of nowhere and was right in front of me, like bright, really, really bright lights. Wow. And, and there was three of them and they were shaped in, they were placed in like a triangle. So there was like one really bright one here, like on the top and then bottom left and then bottom right. And my jaw drops and I'm like, what? And, and then I'm like, what is happening? And I knew like, there was like a deep part of me that knew this was something out of this world. So I'm looking at this driving. There's no other cars. I'm looking around like, is anyone else seeing this? What is this? Is this like a plane that I just looked over and it just appeared in front of me or what is this? And then these like light orbs start like shifting. So like the top one goes down to the corner and they're like shifting places. And I'm just like, is this really happening? Like, am I high right now? Like, what is this? And so I was like, I mean, I guess the right thing to do would be to like grab my phone and make sure I'm not crazy. And as soon as I go for my phone, they disappear. Wow. Um, 
but I was just so like, I didn't really know what to do with that. And it made me question everything. Cause I was always like one of those people that was like, I won't believe in aliens or anything like that until I have my own experience. And so then that happens. And it was kind of like, haha, like now you had an experience. Like, right. um, and, it, and I'll never forget all the thoughts just going through my head. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, um, I think I'm pretty sure aliens are real. Whatever that was, was something else, like mm-hmm. definitely something else that I, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. And it, and I just had all these thoughts, like, you know, if, if I would have just stayed there and not gone into any kind of fear, would I have been abducted? Would I have been like taken somewhere? Would, would something <laughs> have happened to me? And then I was like, maybe I need to go and like pull over to the side of the road and see if I can connect with them again. So I did, I like pulled off into like the middle of nowhere and I drive down this dark road and I'm in so much fear at this point. Like I was in a completely different state than what I was when that, you know, when, when that happened, I was like, high vibe, just, Oh my gosh, life is amazing. Incredible. So high vibe. And that's when they, they came and met me. And then I pull over and I'm in like all this fear and I'm like, okay, they're probably not going to like come out now because I feel like it's a frequency thing. So that I, I still, I'm still, I'm still not sure exactly what that means, but I know that that was something meeting me from something outside of this world. And I cannot deny that experience. That was very real. I was completely sober. And I do feel like there is some support. It it made me feel like there's some support system out there watching me or helping me. Mm -hmm. And I had one other experience that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in San Clemente with one of my friends And we were getting food at just this like, um, you know, walk up and order spot. And Mm -hmm. I sit down and for some reason I sit with these people that were just there and they were like kind of friendly and we start talking and I asked them like where they're from and they like look at each other and they kind of giggle. So this was like years before this Mm -hmm. and they're like, ha ha. And like, I don't even remember what they said, but I remembered walking away from that experience and I was like, I think they were aliens. (laughs) I just like felt it. I was like, I think they were something else. So those are the two experiences that I've had that I, I can't quite explain, but I feel like, you know, I have more life to live and I, I feel like the understanding or the knowing of the experiences that are meant to be revealed to me will come, but it definitely has made me believe in, in something else out there. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. When you saw those, that it seemed like a UFO, right? Mm-hmm. Or was it a being? No, was, it was a, it was just a really light, really bright light orb. Mm. Really. Were you in the car or were you outside the car? I was in the car. So I was just like driving down the road, listening mm-hmm. to my music, bopping around and then bam, just literally appeared out of nowhere. Mm, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I hope to have a something like that someday, you know, like uh, <laughs> I say the closest thing I could say to alien encounters are just like these entities on DMT, which I, I haven't really like I haven't got a message like, yo, I'm for sure an alien, but it'll it'll be like, could you be an alien? Could that yeah. be what you are? You know, um, so, wow, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, in your music. Do you talk about these experiences or if not, what would you say the messages in your music are about? Like when you write lyrics and, mm. and, and perform the, the lyrics. So um, 
definitely, you know, my musical journey is, it's a spirit-led journey. Like, I literally feel like I am just following the inspiration, which in Latin is like in spirit. So that is my experience with my music. It just feels like whatever wants to come through me, just that's, that's what happens. So my first, um, all the music that I have out right now is, yeah, all the music, I'm pretty sure all the music I have out right now. Um, so I met Watashi and he came into my life in another divinely orchestrated way. So I went and worked with him and he and I wrote our first song together. It was like my first time writing in a studio and recording in a studio. So that was a really incredible experience. And he had a vision for that song. And from there, I just felt so connected with him and the way that we got to work together that I was like, let's write together. So mm -hmm. he came out to, when we were in Vegas, um, he came out and we wrote like, um, we did like two weekends together and wrote four songs every weekend together. And so those songs all just came through because either I had a lyric, an idea, or he just like started hitting keys on the piano and a feeling or emotion or a lyric would come out. So um, mm -hmm. that, a, a lot of the stuff that I've written with him, I would call like spiritual pop, pop mantras, mm -hmm. uh, money mantra is um, exactly that. It's like a mantra. So I uh, and then it's a vibe that one I wrote after um, an experience I had with uh, some of my best friends on after uh, Anthony and I's bachelor and bachelor experience. So mm -hmm. I, I haven't written about some of these specific experiences. Mm -hmm. um, but what I do write about is usually just what comes through directly after an experience, something that I'm going through, mm -hmm. um, or just something that is struck within me when certain chord progressions are played, honestly. Yeah. So I do feel like there's so much to write with all of my different life experiences. And I'm just on the journey of constantly discovering and creating and exploring. And, you know, before I released anything, I spent three years just playing in mm -hmm. my own space. And I did write actually a lot about these experiences, but none of those have been turned into anything I've released yet. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I don't, I, I feel like I needed time to play and just not have any like end goal with things. Yeah. And so some of those were like drum and bass tracks. Some of those were like really uh, like sparkly house music, mm -hmm. but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel the like, fuck yes, that I wanted to feel with, with the songs that I started with when I first started writing. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I would say right now it's like my lyrics and my music is usually a, a life experience. Like I wrote about, um, you know, breaking up with someone that I really loved, wrote about vibing with my tribe, wrote about mm -hmm. um, destiny, which is all about, you know, the experience of the journey that we're on and how no turn that you ever make is really a wrong turn. It's all just the unfolding you towards your mm -hmm. destiny, which is um, a big belief that I have that the, you can really never make a wrong turn or a wrong decision. It's all ultimately leading towards your destiny, which is mm -hmm. constantly unfolding before you in the present. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I would I say, that. yeah, everything comes from from different inspirations. And I'm sure some of these experiences could be written about, um, but I'm really in the discovery of working more with my light language, especially, and mm -hmm. working on more of my sound design and getting into more like medicine-based music is what I'm feeling most called to right now. 
Definitely. Love that. Yeah, that's some of my favorite music as well. Um, I wanted to say, <clears throat> do you ever produce music and there is no vocal? There, It's just a song. Actually, yeah. That's what I've been doing a lot of lately. Or a track, I should say, but yeah. Yeah, I've been doing a lot more instrumentals mm-hmm. for sure. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a vocalist as well, um, but I also dabble in just just the music. And and if I do use my voice in it, it'll just kind of be as a texture, mm-hmm. which is nice. Just ah oh oh, you know, whatever I'm doing. But um, that's that's a fun way to relieve some of the pressure of having <laughs> like a perfectly orchestrated lyrical masterpiece. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it keeps it a little more fun because. You know, like, of course, we grow up listening to these, like, epic, epic songs, mm. you know, like, by Queen or Led Zeppelin or Tool or whoever the bands were that, you know, I, I heard the, the songs and I was like, holy shit, like, I want to write songs like that. But that also puts, like, a large amount of pressure <laughs> absolutely, to be, like, a master when you're not a master yet, you know, it's like. I'm writing my first song, but I want it to be as good as Les Zeppelin's fifth album. Like that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but you know, like it's just something that we don't know about until we kind of have the experience um, yeah. with. So that's awesome. Um, so to move on to the part of like the shows, you know, um, and the community events that you're starting to do, um, what's the intention there? You know, what are, what, what are you offering at some of these shows? I know one's called ecstatic bass. Love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but any other, any other event, uh, series that, that y'all are cooking up or, um, just the community in general, you know, how would you invite people to what you're doing and, and give it like a, a description as to like the type of container that you're creating? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So The Sound of Sacred is a collective of artists and visionaries that was founded by Anthony, his twin brother, Brent, and I. And the vision with that was is to create a space for sacred sounds, like intentional music, medicine music, to be shared in an experience that allows people to be fully authentic and fully expressed. So I feel like the best container for that is truly ecstatic dance, which there didn't, I felt, it felt like we needed to create something different than ecstatic dance because it didn't feel Mm -hmm. like ecstatic dance. I've never been to an ecstatic dance that was down tempo bass music. So we created ecstatic bass and sound healing uh, to combine both of our, all, all of our favorite things. One being down tempo bass music used in an intentional and medicinal way by setting a container for people to not talk and really focus on connecting with themselves in that experience. And then ending with a sound healing experience so people can then integrate ground in and go on a sound journey where they don't have to do anything and they can just fully receive, fully let go, become that observer state and ultimately enter the theta state where you can get the deepest rest, relaxation and realization. So we wanted to create an experience that we desired the most. And then we wanted to invite people into that kind of container and that kind of experience. So Mm -hmm. it's really about pairing sacred sounds with community um, in a movement way. And then in also a meditation type of way. Mm, Yeah. 
Funny, we must have caught the same wave because, yeah, same here. I mean, I definitely got introduced to ecstatic dance probably about four years ago, and I took a workshop in it um, in the the Four Rhythms, I believe it's called, and it, they, you know, they give a very um, specific kind of genre to operate within, you know, and they say have fun, experiment. But it definitely wasn't bass music. It was, it was, you know, I would call it cacao dance, uh, organica. You know, was the type of music they were really saying. But mm. you know, you could get into some electronic EDM, like kind of light stuff, not dubstep, but um, that type of thing. And uh, we did that for you know months, and then we just wanted to mix it up, and we just wanted to throw in some Charles the first and see what happens. You know what I mean? Um, so we would do it and people would go off and it was like, damn, okay, this is good. You know, like we should experiment with some of this bass music in our ecstatic dance sets as well. So we do, um, probably around the same time you started experimenting with that. So that's, that's cool. And I like to see that evolution in, yeah, like just different containers. Everyone has a different, they like a different flavor. Someone likes a chocolate ice cream. Someone likes a vanilla, you know, like, at least there is the option for if you love bass music and ecstatic dance, you can go to that now in Austin instead of only it's this organic stuff. Not that that's not beautiful and amazing, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just another flavor of event. So really mm-hmm. resonate with that and really respect that y'all are uh, working to create that container as well. Um, is that the one event series you have going right now? Yeah, we we had another one that we were planning on launching, but we decided to hold off on that so that we could really put all of our energy into building and creating this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely going to be introducing some more exciting things to our ecstatic base, things like themed events. Um, I want to start pairing some more like business networking with ecstatic base and sound healing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the intention is to... Um, create more, put put more of the energy of the inspiration and, and all that we have into ecstatic bass and sound healing, and really grow that into a, a getting getting a bigger space. Mm-hmm. We didn't really want to spread our energy into too many things. It was starting to feel overwhelming, and you yeah. know, with events, you can really only steward so much at a time because it's it's truly a service and a gift of all of mm-hmm. our time and energy to like cultivate um, this experience and cultivate this community. So we wanted it to feel good. We wanted it to feel like something we were excited about. And I think running too many things at the same time can kind of take the joy out of it. So we're, yeah, we're definitely putting all of our energy into building and growing this. Um, Ultimately, you know, we'd like to have 100 to 300 people at our monthly events mm-hmm. and um, possibly be doing them more frequently frequently and then start adding yeah. in um, some of the other event series that we want to do as well. Totally. And you had given a name for the collective. What was the name again? The Sound of Sacred. The Sound of Sacred. Now, now how did that pop up? How, how did you decide to name that? And maybe what is the Sound of Sacred? Yeah, so The Sound of Sacred is really a collective of artists and visionaries. So um, DJs, uh, artists, producers, all different kinds of artists, sound healers. So we really wanted to bring like intentional like medicine music makers and bringers into this collective where 
ultimately the vision is that we can be booked for events. So people will hire the sound of sacred to bring sacred sounds to their experience. And we can mm. do ecstatic bass. We can have a lineup of, you know, intentional medicine artists and sound healers. And that's the vision of it. And it started with <laughs> me like wanting to create a YouTube channel for sound healers. So that was the original idea was I was like, I, I've, I've always been so inspired by Brent and Anthony and their group cloud people sure. and what they do with sound healing. And it's um, changed my life. I've had some of the most profound transformative experiences during their sound healings. And I've always just wanted to support them and help them grow. And then I started meeting other incredible sound healers. And I was like, well, what if there was a platform or something we could create kind of like circle for DJs, but for sound healers. Yeah. And I don't even remember how the name came through. It just kind of was one of those like inspired moments where it just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just claimed it. I was like, made the YouTube channel, got the <laughs> Instagram and Anthony and I had turned our living room into a sound healing, like a uh, stage where we could do sound healings. And then we didn't do anything with it for like eight months. Mm -hmm. And then when we came to Austin and uh, Brent was already living here um, and we were like, we want to do, we want to do ecstatic dance. We want to do X, Y, and Z. And then the idea for ecstatic bass and sound healing came through. And I was like, Hey, what do you guys think about the name? The sound of sacred for mm -hmm. this collective. Yeah. And everyone was just like a yes right away. And I was like, okay, so the seed kind of happened then, but it was meant for this. Totally. I love it. Yeah. It's very descriptive and it, it really, gives you a sense of what the event will be or what the sounds from that channel or that collective would be, the sound of sacred. You know, because, for example, Time Wheel is a very similar intention, uh, but it's a little more vague. It's like Time Wheel, you know? Like, I, I like the name, obviously, I made it, but it doesn't exactly tell you what to expect, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, maybe it's got a slightly psychedelic tinge to it. I've heard people say, it's like, yeah, it's kind of a trippy name, but... I love the sound of sacred. I think you nailed that. So, I love Time Wheel too. It, <laughs> it definitely like has this like powerful essence to it. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have a few more minutes here, um, and we talked about getting into this next topic, which I think is is pretty interesting. Um, but you had recently kind of gone through like a detox and uh, deciding to leave behind nicotine and cannabis, which are two molecules that I do use currently, um, but I've certainly taken breaks from them as well. And more or less because the molecules themselves told me to, they were just kind of like, yo, I'm going to give you anxiety until you stop using me right. because you've been using me too much. And so, you know, I'm, you know, you smoke cannabis, or a spliff, which has a, a small amount of tobacco in it, which is kind of one of my favorites, um, yeah. to feel better, to celebrate, to, oh, I accomplished something. Let's have a spliff and say, ah, let's relax, you know? But, mm -hmm. like, I did that for five years, ten years, and then I would be trying to unwind and just getting anxious and mm. just feeling worse than <laughs> sober. And it's almost to the point I'm like, yo, why am I even doing this? Like, mm -hmm. I'm doing this to feel better and I'm feeling worse. So I, I need to stop. So I did stop. I've told this story a couple of times on my podcast in the past. Um, so I, I don't need to really tell it again. But, you know, the point is 
these things are medicines and you don't always need to be doing them all day, every day, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm, I'm not here to preach because I, I, I enjoy cannabis on a daily basis. So I don't want to be a hypocrite or anything. But I did just want to say, what is that story for you? What what was the impetus or, you know, like a, the you deciding I'm going to change my lifestyle right now? Yeah. Well, definitely resonate with a lot of what you shared and a lot of uh, parallels there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so tobacco all started with comfort, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up and my mom's a smoker. Still, she still smokes. Mm-hmm. So um, I never wanted to be a smoker. I remember I threw her cigarettes in the trash one day. I was so mad at her. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I find myself in Dublin one day and I'm with a local and he's rolling tobacco and I was like, Oh, I'll try some. And that was it. And then I came home and, um, Anthony help, was helping me move. This was before we started dating. And, um, I smelled like tobacco on the side of the house and I had like just came back from Dublin where I smoked for the first time. And mm-hmm. so over the course of our relationship, that kind of became like our thing that we did together to connect. Like before we started dating, like when we were just friends and then when we started dating and then kind of became like the thing that we just did like as a ritual together. Mm-hmm. And it turned into an addiction, which we quit and then we would start again and then I would quit and then we were doing the vapes and then we quit that and then we went back to tobacco and then he accidentally bought like a two pound bag of the raw leaf or the, the, the leaf instead of just a smaller amount. So it was like, we quit and then he got this two pound bag and then it was like, okay, well, whatever. And then it was just like, then we were smoking again and we decided like, whatever, we're just going to do it until this is done and then we're done. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of our thing for like, six months that we had this, you know, Mm -hmm. two pound leafs that we got. And I am just kind of an all or nothing kind of person. So it was like, whenever there was tobacco in the house, I was just smoking all the time. Mm -hmm. And I started working with cannabis again, um, over the last few years, which I didn't smoke for a very, very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And then I had an incredibly healing experience and I loved the medicine of cannabis. And then I started making spliffs. And that's where everything pretty much became like way too addictive for me. So I Mm -hmm. found myself smoking like five spliffs a day, Mm -hmm. which was just a lot. And I knew everything was going to come to an end at some point with the tobacco. So I was kind of just like, whatever, I'll just set myself free with no like limitations. And then I found myself smoking like five spliffs a day, Mm -hmm. which was just too much. And I knew it was bad and I knew it was messing up my throat. I knew it was doing all these things, but I just like, I couldn't. I couldn't help myself. It felt like I was just like addicted. Mm -hmm. So when the tobacco ran out and the cannabis ran out about the same time, I was just like, I'm done. Like I'm, I, I know this needs to be come, come to completion in my life. I know for sure that I don't want to smoke tobacco again, Mm -hmm. potentially for the rest of my life, just because I know how I am. It's like when you smoke tobacco for the first time after a while, it's not really good. You don't really Mm -hmm. like it, but then you do it a few times and then you start liking it again. And then it's like, by that point, I'm already addicted. So Mm -hmm. I just know my pattern with tobacco and nicotine. And I know that it's not it's not good for me. Like even going to get life insurance, like it's more expensive because now now I'm labeled as a smoker. Um, so I just didn't, didn't want that identity. I don't want to be in and out of this addiction for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
yeah, definitely the cannabis too. It, it started to become a crutch for like my emotional regulation. And mm. so getting off of that, it took me on a really deep journey of, um, detoxing from addiction, which mm-hmm. I, f- I felt like went deeper than just the tobacco. It was like, felt like I was literally extracting addiction from like my DNA of lifetimes and ancestry. Mm-hmm. And then the cannabis, like that was regulating my emotions so much that it felt like that stripped away that crutch. And now I was just like an emotional wreck, literally up and down like 20 times in the matter of a day. Mm. Um, so I just, I felt the calling to really cleanse and um, let go of these addictions and these external things. And I felt a calling to really start cultivating that like within my own body and um, it's definitely taken me on an, an incredible, transformative, and empowering journey. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's that's. I've had multiple spiritual awakenings. Mm-hmm. I've had um, multiple, just like really deep growth opportunities and relationship. And literally every area, area of my life feels like I got a makeover emotionally, spiritually, physically. My diet has completely changed. My relationships have changed. My energetic boundaries have changed. My clarity and my focus and my energy has shifted. So it's been, it's been one of the most transformative experiences probably in my entire spiritual path. Mm, wow. When you um, mentioned cannabis was regulating your emotions and then when you get off of it you're having kind of these uh maybe we could call a mood swing yeah um what about cannabis do you think was regulating your emotion and what do you think was happening when you weren't using it anymore and your emotions were flaring up i definitely think it there was it was partially the the cannabis but i i do also think the mood swings were partially the tobacco because that's a common thing when people are quitting smoking is they have irrational things and mood swings and stuff so it was a mixture of the both Mm -hmm. but i actually quit smoking cannabis three days before i quit smoking the tobacco so Mm -hmm. i felt that when i quit smoking uh the cannabis right away Mm -hmm. um i didn't even really like the tobacco as much after i quit smoking the cannabis so Mm -hmm. um it just felt it it felt like i wasn't able to be happy on my own is the mm. best way to explain it it felt like i needed the cannabis to feel better mm. and it's funny because my experience with cannabis for a long time was that it would make me anxious and paranoid whenever i would smoke it um but then when my relationship changed with it and i started experiencing like the healing benefits of it then it just became something that made me feel so good mm. and then it just became something that went from just, you know, using it in the evening sometimes when I wanted to wind down to waking up, you know, and then lunch break and then multiple times in the evening all the way up till like going to sleep. And it just felt like I couldn't even function without it. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't have even called it an addiction at that point. It took a long time for me to even admit that I was addicted to something. But sure, sure. Um, I think when I was able to admit to myself that I was addicted and I didn't feel like I could function or like, you know, it would come to the point where I would be out of the house. And if I didn't have cannabis with me, I I, I felt like I need, I wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, was feeling like my flow of like my connection with spirit and my connection with like my intuition and things was being clouded. Mm-hmm. So that was when I was like, this needs to stop. And yeah. yeah, it was, it was weird. It was weird coming off of it and seeing 
all the blind spots that I wasn't aware of. So it made a lot apparent to me. Um, and especially in terms of emotionally regulating things, it, it became apparent to me how much I had been relying on that to feel good in mm. all kinds of ways. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've definitely heard that alcohol um, really stifles our ability to have intuition um, or even, quote-unquote, psychic ability. Um, I, I remember I was listening to this podcast that recently ended and concluded. I'm a little sad about that, but it was called uh, Aliens and Artists or or artists and aliens, one of those two. And on one of the episodes, uh, they, they talk about how this guy was getting these mantis beings showing up to his house at night, but in a dream state. But he noticed when he would drink, they would never come. Hmm. So that's interesting. So I don't know why, but that just hmm. came up that like alcohol seems to dull our intuition or our extrasensory perception at least. Um, and I wanted to say something too about addiction, which, you know, I'm not an addiction expert and I don't know anything about it really, but I'll just say in my experience that, uh, we have to choose our addictions wisely and not all addictions are bad. Um, I'm addicted to the sauna. Is that a bad addiction? Not really. It's pretty good for me. Right. You know, like, so I, I want to say, you know, choose our addictions wisely. It's not necessarily don't be addicted, but but be addicted to a good thing. Be addicted mm. to healthy food. Yeah. Be addicted to water. Be addicted to sauna or ice bath. And especially choose when you're going to quit something like a nicotine, like a cannabis, the best advice I've heard is to replace it with something else, not just stop the one thing because then there's this kind of void where now your time isn't filled and you're kind of just sitting around twiddling your thumbs like well what do i do now you know yeah. i'm not gonna smoke that's gonna give me two hours back in my day because all the smoking i would do and now i feel bored and now i feel depressed well if you put those two hours into something else like maybe the mention the things i was mentioning yoga meditation ice bath sauna mm -hmm. you still get a kick from you know you get an adrenaline rush you mm -hmm. get a you get a dopamine drop or whatever it might be called. I'm not a neuroscientist, but, you know, I'm just trying to say, like, uh, replacing a bad addiction with a good addiction, I think, is is solid advice that I've heard and that has helped me get over things in the past that I felt maybe weren't for my highest good, you know? Mm -hmm. So, be, be addicted to yoga, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not just don't be addicted to anything, but I don't know. I just like to put that out there. But I agree. <laughs> I think I got addicted to green juice and having like 10 liquids a day pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That's a great replacement. It's well, like, I think it, it gives you something to like sip on and it like stimulates your mouth. So it's like, yeah. it's giving you a, a set, like a sensory experience. So something about just always having something to like sip on really helped me. Right. It's funny. Uh, it, to say I'm addicted to sauna and, and why I say it is if I go a few days without sauna, I don't feel good. Huh. It's like I'm getting sauna withdrawal. Like, wow. Yo, you need to go to the sauna. And I'm like, I go back and I step out and I'm like, dude, yeah, that's what I needed. You know, so I need to go to the sauna more. You told me that when I was doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it that's funny. Yeah. 
Well, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so just to kind of close the conversation, you know, how would you invite people to your music, to your community, um, how to connect with you more and all of that? Yeah, for sure. Um, Instagram is probably the best way. Glow, G-L-O dot with the flow on Instagram. And um, in my bio, you'll see the sound of sacred. You'll see all the events that we have going on in Austin. And um, there's a link in there to my Spotify and all the different things to stay connected as well. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Glow. Thank you for your for your vulnerability and your authenticity and the amazing stories. I hope everyone listening enjoyed it as much as I did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for being here today. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.